and take out your, your program there and follow along. A lot of information there. I, here's kind of what I'm thinking. I love December. I love when we hit it. I love coming into this time of year and recognizing that we've got four or five weeks here of just a lot of celebration, but I know it's not without heartache. It's not without emotion and in some cases, painful experiences for people. It's stressful. There can be financial stress, emotional stress, relationships that aren't quite what they want to be. What do I do when I'm around this person at Christmas dinner? You know what I mean? It's all this stuff that can create a lot of havoc for people. So, so I just want to say that next weekend I'm starting a series called The Sounds of Christmas, and I'm going to really try to help us navigate some of those challenges because those challenges existed in this book as well, believe it or not. So what is it like? So I want you to be prepared for that. That leads me to why I've, ta- I've called this Finish Strong. I have good news for you. You have about 30 days to finish the New Year's resolutions that you set last January. <laughs> so let's get that done, all right? Finish strong. What does it mean to actually finish? I have some photos that I want to show you. These are things that were not finished. The first one is a bridge. These are real photos. How many of you know that bridge is a bridge you really don't want to drive on right now? It's not finished. It started and it's beautiful. But (laughs) if you drive off that bridge, you're dead, right? So this has not reached its potential. If they don't come back and finish this, it's going to stay like this and it will never be used as a bridge. It can't be. The next one is of a house. And it simply just shows the, the block in place. Some of the windows are not put in, and it's going to take some money and some time to finish this house. The next one is one of my favorites. It's of a guitar. Someone is hand-making a guitar. Now, how many of you notice any, a problem with that guitar? It doesn't have the neck on it, so there's no strings. Now, it's beautiful. The wood grain is absolutely fabulous. I love what they've done here. But what are you going to do with this as it is? Hang it on the wall? In other words, no music can come out of this guitar. It is not going to do what it's designed to do because it's not finished. It's not done. That's like so many of our lives. We are a progress. God has a plan for us, and we're in that process of change. The last picture I have is that's a funny one. It's, it's a Lowe's advertisement. Unfinished projects and the whole sign is half ripped off. How many think that was on purpose? I think it was too. Pretty clever. But sometimes that's how we live our lives. We live our lives where we don't really work at finishing the things that we really should try to finish. Now, I know that God helps us finish. And I know there's a lot of, there are many challenges in the Word of God to help us to finish. So, so I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start December with this challenge to finish this year strong in every way possible, then we'll dive into Christmas stuff next weekend. When I looked at these kids today and last night, and I saw them singing, and I saw their expressions, and I thought to myself, in light of this message, how will these kids finish? Some will be electricians. Some will be missionaries. Will any of them, how long will all of them live? We don't know, but I want them to finish I would love for them to find the purposes of God in their life and to finish strong. We don't know. How will you finish? The first thing in your program today on the back is an outline. Follow along. I want you to write this down. 
Traits that mark you. Traits that mark you. Being marked by something is a big deal. It's an identity thing. And Paul, in writing to the church in Philippi, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, he loved these people. They loved him. They prayed for him. They sent financial support for him. And he's writing this letter to encourage them. And we're going to just go verse by verse, Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible open, just leave it laid open, and we're going to start with verse 4. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Now, that's a trait, and it's also a command. You know, sometimes we think joy is just something that comes to us accidentally, or wow, today I have joy. That isn't the case. Always be joy be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Let everyone see it. That means that you're not just trying to show that off, but because you are joyful and because you are a person of consideration, you will be marked that way. People will recognize you as that. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. What, what marks you as a person? How do people know you today? Like when you walk into a room and someone whispers your name and says, that's so-and-so, they, you know, a lot of times in our culture, it's what you do for a living, they're a, a whatever. But then when it goes deeper than that, what would be the statement that would define the marks in your life? The things people think about when they think of you. What is predictable about you? I, I hear people all the time, we say of people, well, they're just so patient, you know, or, or, or not, <laughs> right? They might say something like, why are they so angry all the time? You know, when someone says that about another person, it's because they've had experiences and interaction with that person where anger comes out over and over and over, even if, it's, if there's nothing that has brought that anger in that moment. We say to uh, of people, wow, she's really a great chef, a good cook, or he's a really gifted running back or an ice skater. There's these traits that make people and mark people. What are the traits in your life? Paul is saying, let's be people who live with joy in our lives and that we are considerate in all we do. Let your moderation be known. This little Greek word means mildness. It means patience. It means to remain yielded when there's a heavy load. And that's, I like that definition. It means gentleness, moderation. It actually has a, a piece in this word that's used in litigation where there's a refusal to litigate because there's something in the spirit that just says, I don't want that conflict or that issue. I'm not going to go down that particular road. Not a contentious spirit. Um, moderation, says Dr. McKnight, listen to this definition, means meekness under provocation, readiness to forgive injuries, equity in the management of business, candor in judging of the characters and actions of others, sweetness in disposition, and the entire government of the passions. Now, when I read that, I realized I, I'm not all that. But it is a great goal, and it's one that I want to set in my life to say, what will mark us as an individual? The second thing I want you to write down is this, traits that guard you. Traits that will guard you going into the future. We talk a little bit about traits that mark us. 
But what are the things that guard us from getting into trouble and doing stupid things with our lives? How many of you have known people who do stupid things with their life? How many of you have done stupid things with your life? Okay, that's, that's, even, that's even more real to our lives. Verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Wow. Instead, pray about everything. That's a pretty good trade-off. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can, what he's saying, that we can humanly understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Finish the lyric to this song. Don't worry. <laughs> how, how did you know that? Isn't that funny how a little, a little catchy phrase like that or a song captures our attention? You know why that song caught so much attention? is because of the reality that it's not that simple. It's fun to sing because we would hope it's that simple. But I look at this text, and it's very important for us to get something right when it comes to worry and anxiety. Because I meet some people, I've even heard some pastors make it sound like we are never to have a worry in the world, a never a motivation to do anything, go anywhere, be somebody, develop our gifts, because we're just going to not worry and be happy. Let life come to you. See, there is such a thing as a healthy appetite for getting something done. And sometimes the pressure that's put on you is a good pressure to pay your bills. You see them stacked up. And you, now what if you just looked at that stack of bills and said, don't worry. Be happy. God, you'll take care of the bills. There they are. Tomorrow I hope they're gone. No, we have a responsibility. So this text is not trying to make us irresponsible. Everybody get that? It's trying to say that the anxieties in this life are real. The pressures are real. You must cast those cares on God, and he will give you the action steps that you can take to accomplish the things that he needs you to accomplish. I... Uh, I love the fact, the way Paul says this, he says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything, and the peace of God will fill your heart. It's almost like we get to have a trade. We trade our worries for the peace of God. That's a good deal. I, I remember as a kid playing marbles. Anybody, anybody play marbles in here? Now, you know, playing marbles on the playground was a little bit, a little bit gambling. I grew up in a very strict Christian home. Anyone else? get a talking to about marbles and gambling? Not very many. Okay. Bunch of liberals. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I could trade. I could trade marbles. And if I won the match, I couldn't take their marble, but I could trade them. Okay. But I can remember having these bags of marbles and I was, I was going through this really hot streak of, of trading cat eyes for steelies. How many of you with me on this? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, good, yeah. And I mean, I was getting good at it, and I had this big bag of Steelies, and, and it was so wonderful to be able to trade something that I really didn't even want for something that I really, really wanted. And this, this when I read this, I thought about that because I thought, how powerful that I can cast my care. I can actually trade my worry in for the peace of God, the peace that God can provide. 
This means we will become people of prayer. We will seek God. We will know God. We will love God. We will serve God. We will belong to God. You know, get that question answered early in your life, and your life will bear the traits that guard you when life is hard. You can be guarded, and it's the peace of God that guards you. He says, and the peace of God, it's that harmonizing of all the passions and all the appetites in your life, which is produced by the Holy Spirit. It will keep our hearts. And then it says, guard your hearts and mind. The word guard here is an interesting word that Paul used. It's an, it, the word actually is an image word of a big Roman guard. Rome was in control when Paul wrote this letter. And Paul is trying to put this imagery in their head of a big Roman guard. Remember, you know, the big centurion hats that they had and all the uh, beautiful array and the, the, the uh, capes that they wore, uh, the boots and the sword and the spear. That's the image. God will guard. Boom. And it's like, it's like that Roman guard standing as the protector, just daring anyone to try it. And so when God is guarding your heart, and the two things he's guarding, which I absolutely love, is your heart and mind. Listen to this. The word heart here, there's like seven different Greek words for the word heart, but this particular word means your feelings and your emotions. All that, all that you feel and all that you have emotion about. The word mind here is the word that is your process of determining your plan of action. So the peace of God guards your feelings and your emotion as well as your action steps as you create them for an action plan. That, that's a big deal because that means God is with you right from the get-go. That peace comes from God. Last thing I want to say about this before we move to the next one is you can't create that peace on your own. This is a God-level peace. Now, I've tried. That's how I know. I've, I've, I'm not a big worrier, honestly, but I do have a lot of care about my responsibilities, whatever they are. And so it is on my mind a lot. I, my brain keeps me awake way too many nights, and I sometimes am confused about the peace of God and just my worry, my thoughts, my anxieties. And I've, how many of you know the difference between what you need to do, make a list, write it down, give it to God, offer it to God? This is really talking about the peace of God that supernaturally comes into us. I've, I've said before, okay, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to go to sleep thinking about it. I'm not going to wake up thinking about it. I'm not going to get up thinking about it. I'm not going to think about that anymore. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. Think about something else. What else? I don't know. I've got to think about it. I've got to think about it. <laughs> got to get this figured out. Anybody else like that? And it's just challenging. You wake up at 2.30 in the morning, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to wake up if I start thinking about that. It's just a terrible thing. And this verse has saved me so many times when I simply, sometimes I've even done the motion where I just go, I'm putting this on this nightstand. God, you're going to have to think about it and help me tomorrow because I can't do this anymore. And I can honestly bear witness of this truth that there have been times in my life when the peace of God beyond what I could conjure up by trying to believe it or making myself do anything, the peace of God filled my heart. And I could rest and I could be at peace because most of what we worry about will never happen. Have you read the stats on that? It's phenomenal because your brain thinks so fast, six times quicker than you can speak. 
Right now your brain is going off thinking about room, setting, temperatures, sounds, everything. And, and you're processing this and your brain's re-saying what I'm saying and thinking it through and analyzing it. That's what happens in our brain. So when the peace of God comes in a supernatural way, you can have rest. And some of you, we're going to pray in just a moment for some of you to find that place of peace. Okay, let me, let me go into the third trait. And this is, these are traits that change you. Not just ones that will mark you or guard you, but what are the traits that, that can change us from the inside out? First of all, are you willing to be changed by God? Shake your head like this, please. Okay? If you are, that's really important because if you're just stubborn and you're not willing, then it's hard for the Spirit of God to, to, to take you on a journey. So that's where we start. Traits that change you. Now look at verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And I, I encourage you to put this verse to memory. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I've just made a quick list in your, in your outline of all of those words. And I just want to bullet through these real fast. We won't take long, but jot them down. Fix your thoughts on these things. Number one, things that are true. Things that are true. That's why worrying about what might happen, could happen, you know, it's a possibility. That's why that's wasting your time is because you've got to deal with truth. If I don't deal with the truth, then I'm not going to know where I really am. Think on things that are true. This refers to anything that is the reverse of falsehood. True to be true to our engagements, our promises, our statements, our friendships, the truth about God, eternity, character, impressions, all of this stuff. I, I was thinking of this week about a story that I hadn't thought of in years, and it's a fun story that my dad used to tell. He died really young, and I was 14, and so there's a short window of stories like this, but this is one of my favorite ones. When I was a little boy, uh, one of the things my dad loved to do was go fishing. And so we would go fishing quite a bit. And it didn't matter. We, I, my favorite was trolling in a boat because there's a little bit of pull and a little bit of action. You know, you're not just sitting there eating chips. You know. <laughs> but anyway, we caught, I caught a fish. And it, I, I, I know I had probably, maybe I caught a fish before that one, but I just, I, I remember this because of how big this fish was. And it was so impressive to me. And I got the fish to the boat, and we got it home, and I was so excited. I ran in the house and said to my mom, Mom, I caught a fish this big. And my dad said, now, Derry, how big was that fish again? And I said, I caught a fish this big. And my dad said, now, Derry, how big was the fish again? I said, well, it was this big. I said, Derry, how big was that fish you got? I said, it was about this big. <laughs> Why? Because it felt this big to me. But that wasn't the truth. Now, that's what happens in your life. Some things feel this big, but it's not the truth. It's not the reality. That's where our worry goes way out to here. When in reality, if we can think on things that are true, it limits it to those guidelines and those boundaries that are really true. This is what really could happen. It's, it's, it's powerful when I realize why we're, we're being told these things. Number two is the word honorable, things that are honest. 
uh, properly. This means reverend or honorable. This word actually originally, it's only used three times in Scripture, and it, it, it's used in a connotation with other gods. There, polytheism was huge in, in this day and age with Paul. So there are thousands of gods that people worshiped. And Paul actually uses one of the words that they would use when they came across a god that they thought was worthy to honor. There's the word. So these people, before they came to Christ, in their polytheistic habits, would place honor and give honor to certain gods that they deemed worthy of it. He's saying, whatever receives honor, whatever you say is up here on the scale that you're going to set aside some time that's what you should think on. Think on things that are honorable. Number three is the word right or just. Things that are just, things that are right, things that keep us in right standing with God. You guys, as followers of Christ, can I just say, we should be right and just in all of our dealings with business. We should be upfront, we should be honest, we should be courageous. There are, there are many issues about this that are challenging in business. I know that. But in our homes, in our lives, in what we say, tell the truth. Be truthful and be, have a right standing. God. Think on things that are right. And then number four is a pretty big word. It's the word pure. Now, this word has a sexual connotation. It, it means chaste, to, be, to have chastity in your life. It means that I will have the discipline in my mind to not go to that place with someone of the opposite sex that I shouldn't go to. Now, we are in a culture, I'm telling you, between pictures and emails and texts and Facebook and all the stuff that we do these days, how lewd do you want to be? You can probably find any site that's about anything you want these days. That's why this is in here for us, you guys, because this word pure means that I will capture those thoughts. The moment that I start to have a feeling or a thought about someone and turns it into a, and turn it into a sexual appetite, I will capture that thought. You know what amazes me is, you know, people don't have affairs and cheat on their husband or wife and mess up with immorality. They don't do that without it starting with a thought. It all starts with a thought. You don't just end up in bed with somebody. Oh, I don't know what happened. I just, I mean, you could be drunk maybe and have that, but that drunkenness started with a thought, right? I know none of you have experienced any of these things, but... Some people have, and it's important we talk about them because purity is being flushed down the toilet in our culture, and it shouldn't be. And we should be people raising a banner by leading the way to say, let's be people who are, are pure. Uh, that's so, so very, very important to us. Lovely, number five, lovely. Whatsoever things are lovely. The word here is to be what is dear to anyone, what is pleasing. Um, as Christians, basically this is saying, as a follower of Christ, I should not be crabby. <laughs> I should not be irritable. I should not, have, I, don't raise your hand. But here's my worry. My worry is that sometimes we use excuses like, I'm just having a bad day. And, and it justifies us yelling at someone or, or being mean or not being sensitive. And it's just, this is just who I am. Well, that's why we have the term born again. 
Are you or aren't you? That's why we have the term of this nature of God. Do you have that? Say, well, I still fight this in my human desires. Of course you do. But the bottom line is God is greater than those human desires. So take a look at yourself and don't just justify being crabby and being that person who has to have their way and being self-centered, but put your life in order. Put yourself in a place where you can have that word, lovely. And then the sixth one is admirable or things of good report, things that are worth hearing about, reputable, um, things of kindness and respect, all those things. The summation of all these words, it says, think on these things. Wow. If I could do this, if you could live, verse 8, there would be a lot of positive things that would happen in your life, I guarantee you. Think on these. Where's your thought life? Will you think on these things? That would enable you to finish strong. People who don't finish strong have thought problems. And they base decisions on the thought problems. And before you know it, their life is screwed up. And it's not going to help them then. It's going to help them back here in the beginning because there are consequences to thoughts that don't honor God. I can't finish well unless I start well and run well. God's rede he'll redeem us. I know that. No matter where you are today, he can pick you up in the middle of your mess and he can put you on a new path. The last thing, traits that empower you. Traits that empower you. What are the things that give us the power to go forward and do all this stuff? I love verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Can I tell you, practice is a big word. How many of you took piano lessons at some point in your life? Or some kind of lessons on the music one? Okay. Anybody have sports practice? You know, or kids that you have to take to practice? Practice. What does it mean? What does it mean to practice? It means that I carve out time to do something that I'm going to do later, competitively. This is practice. May I just say that we often think about practicing all this stuff, but Paul uses this word in terms of our faith. When do you practice your faith? When do you practice? When do you work out spiritually? What are the components of that? See, because I think that can be small group, it can be devotions, it can be reading plans, it can be, I'm practicing. I'm practicing what I want to become, and I'm doing those things. I was talking about Adopt-A-Family. Um, many of you have sponsored children through the years. We're going to adopt 1,000-plus families this year from Timberline Church, not families in Timberline, though some of them may be, but it's, we're going after the top 1,000 families in this city that need to be adopted for Christmas. And we work with Larimer County. We work with agencies who find the people who really need it. And we're doing this thing called The Bridge. Anybody been a part of The Bridge? It's a powerful ministry, and it's coming up. Matter of fact, you can sign up to help us. This is how you can practice. You can, you can sign up to help us at Serving Central today. And what it is is we're not just going to bring food and gifts to families in need and walk away. We're going to host them here and serve them dinner and bring them gifts and get to know them and sit at their tables and learn their names and be around them. This is what we are called to do. And so you can financially give to do that. You can personally adopt a family. But the bottom line is this. Where am I practicing these things? 
It's easy to just caught up in your job, get caught up in your job, your life, your family, your world, and go buy a lottery ticket for $550 million and pray to God you win. Because you know what you would do with that money, right? I'm not even going to ask you how many of you bought a ticket. The challenge we have of living for good old number one versus saying, how am I practicing? Where am I practicing my faith? Where am I getting out of my comfort zone and giving myself to the, the needs of the world? That's a challenge, I know. But you guys do this really big, and you do it often. And I get to, I get to see it and be a part of it, and I'm proud of you for it. Last thing, and we'll pray. It says this. Then the God of peace will be with you. I love the little play on words, and I don't know if Paul was intentional about it. He starts out, we started out talking about the peace of God, and now he ends this section by saying the God of peace. I want the peace of God from the God of peace. You know why? He's the only one who can get it for you and deposit it in your heart. Let's pray. Lord, wow, thank you. Thank you for who you are in my life, in our lives, in this place right now. We are really grateful. We need you. We desperately need you. We want to finish well. Lord, thank you for calling us. Thank you for putting your hand upon us and teach us in moments like this how to, how to let the truth come to our conscience, our heart, so that we can respond with a hunger and a desire to be formed and molded, to become that person you're shaping. Thank you, God. Heads bowed right now. How many of you would just say, I'm going through some stuff. I really do need what you've talked about as the peace of God from the God of peace. I can't do, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm, I'm worrying too much. I've tried to give it to God. Listen, this doesn't mean you don't trust God or love God. You do, but... There's something specific you're going through right now. All I want to do is pray over you. And I want to ask, I prayed before this weekend to say, God, bring that miraculous peace and put it in the hearts of people that would surprise them today. If you need that, hold up your hand, please. Church, help me pray for these right now. Would you put your heart into this prayer? Lord, thank you for brothers and sisters who we're sitting with right now. They're part of our family. We call this our living room. It's where we talk about life and issues. I think all of us have been in, in situations where we would raise our hand to a question like this. Thank you that some of us are not in that. Accept our thanks for that. But Lord, for our brothers and sisters, for, for what they are facing right now, for the stuff that's on their plate, bring the peace of God supernaturally. Let it happen in a way that surprises them. Fill their mind with a different thought process and pattern of thinking, even now. Would you massage that mind, that heart, by your spirit? Would you pour the oil of God over them and let them actually feel a change in their thinking and their worry and their blood pressure? Let them know the peace of God that comes from the God of peace. I thank you for it, Lord. Secondly, I just feel like praying for some of you who would say those traits, those six things that are on this list that I'm to think about, maybe a few of them you're, you're fine with, but there's a few of them you say, I need that discipline in my life. I need to capture those thoughts. And whatever those are, I just want to pray over you that that will become a reality 
of things that will really release you to finish strong. So just own that. You don't have to raise your hand. It's all of us probably that we're not all strong in all of those, but own the one or two or five or six that are in that list right now. Would you think about those and say, God, help me with this one. Lord, thank you that lists like this can help us and shape us, that it's not just to make us feel bad because we don't measure up, it's to encourage us forward. And so I ask you to bring your strength through your spirit that we might live these traits out that we might finish strong and help us as a church to finish strong, God. And Lord, for that one or two or 10 or 12 or however many that don't know you personally in their life today, convict them of their sin. Let them see they're separated from you. Let them know it. Knock on their heart, Lord. Man, if that's you, could you just pray this prayer with me? Lord, forgive me for my sin. I'm truly sorry. I know what it is, and I feel your love and grace to forgive me today, and I accept that by faith. I receive that forgiveness by faith, and I confess it, and I believe you died on that cross for my sin and rose from the dead so that I might spend eternity with you. I say that out in my heart now. To God be the glory. And everyone said, amen, amen, man. We're journeying life. Remember, finish strong. 30 days left or whatever in this month, 29 or whatever it is, let's get it done and let's be strong in the Lord. Okay? Ushers, come, would you? We're going to uh, receive an offering. If you're a guest with us, we don't expect you to give in this offering. This would be the time to drop your card in the plate. And we have tons of needs in December. It's one of the biggest financial months that we have. We try to budget for it, but you guys always step up in December in your giving, year-end giving and all that stuff. So think about it, pray about it, look at where you are and just honor God. We wanna be a funnel as a church to just be able to give through Timberline. Lord, help us as we do that today to be good stewards, to just be obedient as we walk with you. And thank you for the joy of giving. We give with joyful hearts in your name. I believe that with all my heart. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Well, you guys, I want our prayer team to come. They're going to be up here if you just want to pray with someone about stuff going on in your life. Remember, if you want to help us with the bridge, go to Serving Central right now. Table two for the Christmas festival and adopt the families out there. Lots of ways to practice your faith. And I want us to just wrap up today by saying what we started saying at the beginning of this year, at the end of almost each service. And you know it by now, so let's say it together and declare it. The service starts now. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Love you guys. Have a great